Amen. You may be seated. If any children want to go to Children's Church, Beth Kelly's right over here, and she'd be glad for you to come and be with her if you're in Children's Church. Thank you, Beth. I don't have any stories about the Super Bowl today. I guess this is Super Bowl Sunday. But I do have an Alabama-Auburn story to tell you that happened to me this week. So now I know I've got your attention. Happened this week on Wednesday morning. Uh, Lana and myself and Madeline, we spent the night with her dad this week. So I had taken Dave to dialysis. And uh, they texted me wanting me to go to Jack's to get breakfast. I said, I can handle it. I'll do it. So I'm in Jack's over in Atala. I'm in line. And you know how the person in front of you sometimes, you know, you're kind of looking at the sign. You're getting ready to order. And the guy in the side view mirror, pretty big mirror, it was a big truck or big van. And, you know, we made eye contact. And I nodded. Now, I was wearing a beautiful blue and orange baseball hat. had UA Auburn on the front of it. And so we nodded and made eye contact. I wasn't sure if I recognized him or not. But anyway... He orders, and I get up to order, and the lady at Jack's says, the guy in front of you paid for all your breakfast, but he told me I had to tell you this. I said, okay, what? Roll Tide. So I said, praise God. So uh, I just want God to bless all you Alabama fans. Just keep buying me breakfast. If you see somebody with Auburn hat, I'm just buying breakfast. So. Uh, sermon title this morning is kind of unusual. Uh, you see it there in the bulletin, big words, I didn't think of it. Transcendental Interferer. Let me go ahead and tell you where I got that from and kind of give you an idea of where I want to go with that. I want you to think. The clever and wise C.S. Lewis came up with that title. Of course, he's speaking about God as a transcendental interferer. So first of all, most of you probably have some idea of what transcendent means. Uh, transcendent means higher than or independent from all others. We sometimes may speak of, of an athlete whose abilities transcend all others, kind of like Tom Brady or like Bo Jackson. There's sometimes just athletes are just gifted. They're just born with it. You, can't, you can train them, certainly they can... Uh, strengthen that but they they've got it and they just transcend all others athletically that's kind of an idea of transcendent we may speak of a moment in our lives you may have a moment in your life uh, that just stands out a highlight that transcends maybe all other times in your life maybe you've had a moment with God that just transcends all other you can go back to you can remember it right now it's just high above all but what does it mean when we think about God well, in relation to God, transcendent is the idea that he exists above and independently above all of creation because he's the creator. And so, in other words, there's no other created thing that matches his power. And so, as you think about that, this transcendent God comes and interferes with your life. Part of what this table means is that God interfered with our sinfulness but gave us a way out. So with that in mind, as you think about the transcendent God, He is above all other, but yet He transcended and came to us and He interfered 
in our lives. John writes about it in 1 John 1. This is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now he's writing 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. He's also the one that wrote the book of Revelation. He also is one of the three. John and Peter and James were very close to Jesus. Not that all the rest of them were, but they had some very powerful moments with Jesus that the others didn't see. And so this is this John that's about to talk about light of our transcendent God, and he's going to talk about the blood. We just sang about it. This is what he says in 1 John 1, 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning, he's speaking of Jesus, he's speaking of God, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So we, we were there. We, we experienced him. We talked with him. Uh, John leaned against his breast at supper before this meal. That's the same John. I saw him. I handled him. I, I touched God in human form. The word of life. Verse 2 says, The life was manifested and we have seen, we bear witness, and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we're going to declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So He sets the stage and lets us know who He is, all the disciples and apostles, they saw him, they witnessed him. So now he says in verse 4, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light. God is light, and in him there is no, no darkness at all. He's just pure, holy light. No darkness in him at all. Then it says in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another in the blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We live more and more in a world that decides and people decide on themselves what truth is. I make truth to be this. I don't care what the truth is or who is the truth. I make up my own truth, my own world reality. But the Bible says that the person who does that deceives their own selves because the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin. But then verse 9. If you don't have it memorized. You need to. And probably we have quoted it. If we hadn't quoted it exactly like this. I hope you've done it a few thousand times. Because you probably need to. Amen. It says if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he declares to us that we can confess. 
what if this transcendent God hadn't interfered into our lives and said, you'll never come before me and you'll never be able to confess and you're going to die in your sins. But he didn't. He said, if you confess your sins to me, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, though, he adds, if we say that we have not sinned, then we make God a liar and his word is not in us. This passage should cause us to reflect on the seriousness of sin. Sin's mentioned several times. Light and darkness are mentioned. The word is mentioned. We know that this is the same John when he opened up the gospels and said the word was God and the word was with God and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. We have to think about truth when we read this. We have to think about the blood of Christ. It's in there. John Wesley said this, give me 100 preachers Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And he said, I don't care whether they're clergy or lay. You give me 100 preachers that fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. Sin is a serious matter. You and I as believers need to have a theology of sin. We need to get God's theology of sin, not our own truth, but what he declares. Communion demands that we face our sinfulness. We can't get around it. Communion forces us to look upon the Word made flesh and then see His blood. Every time these symbols remind us of that. We just sang the song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us that though. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. You and I don't get redeemed unless this transcendent God comes and interferes and says, I'm going to send my son and make it possible through his blood that you can have life. And I'm going to invite you to the table to eat and die. We don't get that without his kingdom. We don't get that without his blood. Dr. Charles Stanley said these words. He said, God's arrows, if you can picture an arrow. God's arrows of affliction are sharp and painful so he can get our attention. He won't let his beloved children get away with sin because he knows it robs us of blessings it robs us of opportunities and even character refinement. Transcendental interfere. Our transcendent God comes and interferes with our sin problem because he loves us. He just absolutely loves us. That's why he interferes. Let me go back and just talk about these verses for a minute before we share in communion. I mentioned earlier in verse 1 and 2 that the disciples, the apostles, and many other believers, they saw, they touched, and they heard the life-giving word, the word that brings eternal life. Of course, and this is important, the words, the word, is not just words, but it's the person, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life to you. That's why when you read the word of God, and you may have read something a hundred times, and you can go back and read the 23rd Psalm a thousand times, and it still reads you. Jesus said the word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. It sometimes convicts us, but sometimes it brings so much comfort. But it's because we have a transcendent God who decided to come and interfere. So the word 
is not just words. It's the person, Jesus. So when you read it, he reads you. John 1.14, I quoted part of it earlier. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John mentioned truth several times just in the ten verses we read. Truth must accompany grace. So John writes to pass on the life-giving word so that we may have fellowship with God. But then God explains a serious problem, a sin problem, that sure can mess up the fellowship that we have with God. So I want to give you four points that John makes. You might come up with five or six, but as I read it, here are four points in these ten verses. The first one is this. A person who is in fellowship with God will recognize their sinfulness. When a person walks in the light, their evil nature is exposed. In other words, a believer knows they are a sinner. You see, in order for you to be saved, you first have to realize you're lost. And this transcendent God comes and interferes in our lives. And he convicts us of our own sin. So a believer should know that he's a sinner. So a person who has fellowship with God will recognize their sinfulness. The second thing is this. A person who is in fellowship with God will acknowledge the reality of their sins and look to God for mercy. For John, confession is but a recognition that I have sinned and that grace alone be found at a bloody cross. And that's what communion reminds us of. Jesus held a cup up and he said, every time you remember this, it's the new covenant in my blood. Every time we take communion, we do that. So yes, a believer should realize when we realize we're in darkness, oh God, I confess to you, I, I have sinned. And I ask for your forgiveness. I confess to you. Just like David did in Psalms 51. Take not thy spirit from me, for against you and you only have I sinned, he said. A person who is in fellowship with God will acknowledge the reality of their sins and look to God for mercy. The third thing is this. A person who is in fellowship with God sees sin for what it is. In other words, the light enables us to recognize immorality as immorality. The light helps us to know that sin is sin. We don't get to vote on it. But the light reveals to us what is sin, therefore conviction comes, but thank God the transcendental interference says, you can confess, and I'll forgive you. You don't have to die in your sins, and we know what Romans says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus is eternal life. We have life with him if we confess. A person who is in fellowship with God sees sin for what it is. The fourth thing is this. Given God's perfection, we cannot pretend to be in relationship with him while claiming that sin doesn't matter. Sin does matter. So we have to heed the life-giving word. I got good news for you this morning. If you've got any sin in your life, you can be forgiven. But our transcendent God will tell you, you must confess and you must repent and then walk in that light. A very wise church secretary by the name of Susan Swan 
that'd be our church secretary. She gave me a quote about four weeks ago, and I kept it, and I saved it. It happens to be from C.S. Lewis, whom I quoted earlier. But this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. Where are you at with God this morning? Isn't it great news that we can come and gather around the table that every one of us need to come to and confess and repent? Both communion and the truth, both communion and the truth, the word, are ways of bringing light to our darkness. But confession and repentance is how we turn the light on. See, God is omnipresent. The light is everywhere. But when we're in darkness, we're just in darkness, and we need light. So when we confess, we turn the switch on. Maybe that helps you to understand it this morning. Maybe when you come, maybe you need to confess and thus turn on the light. You don't have to walk in darkness. God wants to forgive you. He reveals his truth to us. And then he has a table prepared for us so we won't ever forget who died for us. Let's pray together. God, we love you today. Thank you for revealing the truth to us. Thank you for being light to us. And I pray, God, maybe perhaps this morning someone realized, you know, I, I'm in darkness and I don't want to be. But I see that if I simply confess to you, that I am a sinner, I can be saved, and I can walk in the light. God, give us that freedom to respond to you and bless this table. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take your hymnal and you'll turn to page 12, page 13, I do want to remind you that if you are visiting with us this morning in the United Methodist Church, we have open communion. You do not have to be a member of our church. So we invite you to come to his table. I will share in uh, page 12. You'll see the invitation there and then you'll respond with the confession and pardon. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and before one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. And we have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Take just a moment of silence. Reflect. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God.
continue on page 13 with a great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. It is a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, you give birth to your church, delivered us from the slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to you, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. Poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory when we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I will invite those who are going to participate to help with communion as well as the ushers. If you would come ahead and come to the altar and kneel down and I will share with you.
love you. We praise you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for forgiving us. Let us go forth in your light. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Ushers will direct you in just a moment as you come and share in communion. We love you and praise you. Thank you for getting rid of our darkness and letting us walk in light. Go forth for here in that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Go forth from here in the joy of the Lord, knowing that you are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, we thank you for interfering in our lives because you loved us. Go forth from here in that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Mighty God, thank you for making a way for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can confess. Because of your love, you forgive us. Go forth and live in that light of his forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Go forth from here and, and walk in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus' name.
these last few are coming. Is there anyone who we need to serve in the pew? We'd be glad to. Almighty and loving God, we bless you today and praise you. Thank you for forgiving us. We are eternally grateful. Go forth in that love in Jesus' name. Amen.